On this week's episode of Dale and Extend, we buckle down and talk about some of the apps on Linux that we use to be productive in work and in life. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 32 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN discourse forums, telegram groups, discourse server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. Hey, Matt and Wendy, I'm going to have to uh, miss another week. I'm still on my journey, which has led me to the Queen Maud Golf Bird Sanctuary in Canada. I'm trying to catch this Pidgeotto. I, I really hope it works out. I think I've seen one. Uh, I'll let you know next week. And with me today is Wendy. And apparently, according to Nate, he's off chasing Pikachu from last episode. So I wonder where he is this time. I guess we'll have to find out on his call-in. Wendy, how are you? I am doing pretty dang good this week. How are you? I am doing better-ish. <laughs> what have you been up to well for the most part i you know i've I've been talking about the last few weeks school stuff's crazy we're we're almost into a routine again co-ops started this week so we had one on tuesday we have one tomorrow on thursday so this is our first week of co-ops that's you know making everything crazy so this last weekend my husband took friday off and we went and spent friday saturday and most of sunday in the mountains just kind of relaxing i got to break out my camera again and play with some water stuff the tadpoles that we've been watching grow all summer are finally to the point where they're starting getting legs and there are teeny tiny frogs all over the creeks that we like to fish in. So the kids had a blast looking at the baby frogs and and seeing the changes. We got to do some real life science type conversations in the mountains. And I love the times that we get to do that and get to see the changes. The, The biggest bummer is there's no doubt about fall is on its way. There was already trees up in the mountains. The leaves are starting to change color. I'm I'm not ready for the cold. I'm ready for it to be cooler, but not ready for the cold. So we we got to refresh and ready to go and hammer out this next week. What have you been up to? I have been working more content with Jason Evangelo for Linux for Everyone. The last video that I did for him was talking about five games that were hassle-free to use. This time, well, we talked a little bit because there's a really big video game coming out. We did five games to pre- uh, five games to prepare you for Cyberpunk 2077. So in other words, they're all Cyberpunk games. And yes, of course, they all do work on Linux. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, You're keeping that momentum going on making sure that everybody needs to buy new games. I would never, ever enable people to buy games. <laughs> ever. Never. Sure. <laughs> but I also have been dealing with some technical snafus this week. So I had a firmware update come down because for those that don't know, my production machines are salient OS. I had a update firmware specifically come down and basically just bork my entire sound system. Totally gone. I couldn't, no devices detected, nothing. And this is was at a firmware level. So what I had to do is I had to actually do the evil thing and reinstall Windows. I have, this machine has not seen Windows in over a year, at least. 
and I had to reinstall Windows. Odd thing, I knew it was the firmware because Windows didn't even detect the sound card on the after the initial install. So I'm like, hmm, that's a problem. So I went through all the, the Windows updates and all the other stuff and I pulled down the, the, the firmware updates from Lenovo. Finally got sound working. Awesome. Five seconds after all of that was done, people, you'd think I would probably keep Windows. And now I nuked and paved Windows to oblivion. So now I'm running Salient OS again. Well, and it's nice that you got the audio system back up. That sucks that the firmware in both operating systems was messed up. Yes, it, that that was the thing. It, it wasn't just a Linux specific problem. It was a, a vendor firmware problem. Yeah. Um, so that was the bummer part. So I've been having to reset up everything, which is kind of annoying. It's not so much application setup. It's more workflow and the weird customers, some of the deeper weird customizations that I do above the surface that are really annoying, like customizations that you'll do in programs and stuff that, you know, you can do. So a lot of those I have to reset up, which is really uber annoying. Like my actual data was that's on a separate drive, so I didn't care. But it's been a fun, fun time. Definitely the worst part about a fresh install for me is the setup. Because for some people, they can do it super quick. And then for other people, it takes forever to do. And it's just a hassle of, oh, crap, I forgot I needed to install that. I need a script. I need to sit down and write a script for that kind of thing for the stuff that can be scripted. But otherwise, hate resetting up a system. Yeah, and like I said, for me, it's not so much the actual reset up because obviously I use Plasma, so my customizations for Plasma might take me 10 minutes to reset up at most. It only takes me 20 minutes to install a system, so I don't care. It's the the weird nuances that I'll do in, say, like Sinalera for when I do video editing that I change a bunch of different stuff that's like accessible in the application or like certain, if I need to use Caden Live or something a little simpler, uh, you know, some of the tweaks and stuff I make in there. Some of the changes I'll do in other applications. It, it's just, that's just kind of an annoyance. It's not a big deal. It's just, it does take time though. And so I <laughs> don't have time to use for the setup, then it's even more annoying. Yeah. Cause it's like, okay, you know, you go to do something, you're like, oh God, I'm lost. I forgot how to do this by default. <laughs> that has been my week thus far. This episode of DLN Extend is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as Virtual Private Cloud, or VPC, all regions free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workload. Container Registry is now available to all users. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. So speaking of things not working and getting reset up in applications, we wanted to take a look at Linux productivity apps that we use, not just for work, but personal as well, because we all try to stay organized as much as we possibly can. 
So Wendy, we've heard what you use for work-related things from the last episode. What do you use personally to stay productive? Really, there's not a whole lot of additional applications that I use day-to-day. So there's my web browser, and I use that a ton between researching stuff. Our show notes are all done through Cody MD, which is on the web browser, that kind of stuff. And my web browser of choice is Firefox. I used to be a Chrome fan. So I went from the days of Microsoft Edge to Google Chrome. When I first switched over to Linux, I was still a Chrome, a little bit of Chromium user. And then I found Firefox more for the additional privacy settings that it offers. And oh my goodness, do I ever love the Facebook container that it has because my husband still uses Facebook. So Firefox is probably one of the applications other than the photography stuff that I open the absolute most. Then of course there's Telegram because we do all kinds the conversations back and forth through Telegram. So that's one of the staples that when I'm resetting up a system, that has to be there. But for the most part, that that pretty much sums up my day-to-day. We have the LibreOffice suite on all of the computers. That's what we use for that kind of stuff. The kids writing their different school projects. My husband does his billing through there. I really enjoy playing with Inkscape. So I am not, and I repeat, I am not a graphic designer. Do I like to play with some graphic design every now and again? Yes, I think it's fun. I have some screens and screen printing ink and I like to, you know, play with setups using Inkscape to create some different design and print some t-shirts, having fun with it. But I am by no means Michael quality <laughs> when it comes to graphic design. But that that's a fun program to play with. It's not one that I need for work, but it's one I do absolutely enjoy spending time in. And I'm slowly learning that one. I have installed OBS and I've played with it a little bit here and there. I used it when I made the the Kindle Fire video. So I used OBS to help me with that. I have to say that next time I do any video where I need stuff in the terminal and video on the outside, I have to have a video capture card for that. And it would have made OBS that much more useful. What I did was I recorded everything going on on my screen with OBS. Then my camera and the additional gear that I have recorded what I was doing on the tablet. And then in post-production, I brought the two together and that made editing a nightmare. So not only you know am I trying to learn my way around video editing and that kind of thing, trying to combine these two and getting the timing right and getting all all that set up, plus cutting things out that didn't need to be there. I was able to do it in Hidden and Live and with the help of OBS, but next time everything is being routed through OBS and then edited as one single video unit. Yeah, (laughs) not going to lie. It's nice when you don't have to try to sync up audio and video and all the other things that all the audio is live all the videos live everything is all all your framings right as far as like how you want the setup to look and all you have to hit is the big start record button record button yeah that would have been so much easier and instead I know it took me a long time to get it done just because the the timing was off. And sometimes I would do things a couple different times or, you know, have help or things to get bumped or, you know, that kind of thing. And I did help me learn Kitty and Live better in order to get the video feed that I wanted 
right next to the terminal on the screen in the finished product, I had to learn what steps I needed to do in order to get there, which was a benefit that way. But man, it it would have been so much faster. And I think the quality in general would have been better at the end if both of those things were combined in OBS. And OBS is super powerful. Like I said, it's it's not one that I use all the time, but it's definitely one installed because you can do so many cool things with it. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say OBS is like one of my go-to apps for <laughs> pretty much anything if i want to do like screen recording if i want to do gameplay capture there are great other tools too on on linux don't get me wrong some screen recorder and a lot of other applications but obs is bar none for me the one where it's like that's just the default at this point i think for yeah. those a lot of activities when it comes to any type of production streaming stuff. recording yeah that this, kind of i know i've talked a lot about um um, Multi-MC, which is the Minecraft application that the kids use mm-hmm. for their regular Minecraft. I would love it if they had an education edition in there, but I'm pretty sure that that one is much harder to get their, their hands on to put in that application. But that would have made it that much better to have that version in there. So everything could have been run neatly on the Linux system. And it, it's a fantastic project. We are starting to look at into some different music things. So I, I know we've talked before about you sharing the the video game music website, which was a huge hit in this house. And then I think my daughter's wanting to start mixing her own. So I would love some suggestions on what software you use on Linux to mix music. Ooh, that. One application that's probably going to get mentioned is probably LMM s and probably the other application will probably be mix and of those two applications awesome but i am not they are well out of my wheelhouse i know they exist (laughs) but i know that we have some awesome people in our community that do audio specifically music production and, and she won't be like playing instruments and and making her own music that way. But if she could use like a keyboard or that kind of thing to start learning some music mixing and and that kind of thing, I think that would be totally up her alley and one of those things that we can add into her list as an elective Mm -hmm. for quote-unquote school. So where, where she's about to the point where hitting high school and needing to have stuff on transcripts. And even if, you know, that doesn't go on her official transcript, I think that is wonderful stuff to be learning As far as jobs go, if she could make music for video games, I think she'd be set for life. Like that would be her total happy place. So I'd (laughs) like to get her started in that and and let her start practicing with that. So I am looking for suggestions there as software goes. And just before we started recording, Michael had a suggestion for productivity software called Super Productivity. He will be sharing more about this application, but I downloaded it and installed it during the recording of this episode, and I'm super excited to check it out, and I will be reporting back. Does it help me with my procrastination and the huge to-do list I've got between stuff for me, stuff for the kids, and helping it all stay organized. Didn't function here. I know, me yeah. mine too. I went... Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, super productivity looked really cool. Um, I'm a very specific kind of to-do list person, so it might not be for me, but the just from looking at it, it, for those that just need a fully featured 
really specific to-do lists so that they can stay on top of their time management. is It's a really, really good app. Just, and the fact that it's got a dark mode, even better. Oh, yes. got- <laughs> dark mode is king. Everything has to have a dark mode in order for it to be useful for me, or at least use the dark settings that I have in, or dark theming that I have set up on KDE. Yeah, totally. Same, same boat. Same boat. Unfortunately, I'm very specific on my to-do list type apps. I have to use ones that they call based on the Eisenhower kind of methodology. You have like important, not important, fit in. That's how I have to do stuff. Unfortunately, there's like I can make, you know, the spreadsheet type deal and do it that way. But there's no apps on Linux that specifically do that for me that way. Unfortunately, there's only two apps. One's a mobile and one's a macOS app. The one for macOS is called Focus Matrix. And the, the one on Android is called Ike. And those things, if I did not have those, I would be so lost on like where and what I need to do. It's not even funny. Again, my use case is very, very specific just because of how I think and how I incorporate that workflow. Time-based kind of to-do lists just don't do it for me. I'm a unique case. So that's the one thing that like the one app, if there's one app to do on my, on for me, for Linux that I would love to see is like an Eisenhower to-do list app. That is probably like the most niche specific thing that I can honestly say I don't have on Linux and I use (laughs) everything else on Linux. But for me, that is like the one thing uh, I'd be like, I have an awesome to-do list now. Like you, you know, OBS is great. One of my, actually my, my banking app is probably a little more out there than most. I still do local personal finance stuff as far as like balance your own checkbook kind of crap stuff. That is yeah. just, so I know what's in, what's out and where I might notice discrepancies. So I don't rely specifically just on like my online banking stuff, still use it but it's not like the very specific thing that I use. And I use HomeBank for that. Great great little application because what it does is you can set stuff to different groups and it'll show, after you get to the, you're done, it'll show you where you're spending most of your money in in, in those groups. So like, gro- like groceries or entertainment or, you know, whatever. And it shows you, like the, the financial breakdown of how much you've spent in each one of those groups. So it gives you a little bit better idea of like, okay, maybe I don't need to be spending X amount in entertainment all the time. It's more of a local thing. It's a GTK app, I do believe, but it, it's a great little application that I use it on Windows. I use it on definitely Linux. And I think Mac OS has a port of it, if I remember correctly. So great, great little app that I, I love using. Um, Obviously, Steam. <laughs> Steam. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, I like my pay. What can I say? The that is the the more personal apps that I'm using because at the end of the day, if I can't get my own personal stuff in order, why? Then man, trying to get my work stuff in order is going to be a real pain in the butt. Like you said, I'm not a big LibreOffice guy personally. That's more of an aesthetic thing, so I tend to use WPS Office. Tends to have a little bit better compatibility from just personal experience. I'm not saying it's true for everybody that it has a little bit better compatibility with certain things that I need from office. Like when I'm interacting with people from office um, documents and stuff, be it Excel sheets or whatever. So that that's more of a me thing. I've used 
SWPS office in the past and there was some kind of issue that we kept having with it. And I can't remember what that is, but so then we reverted back to LibreOffice. So for me, WPS office just has a... It, it has a really nice look to it. I, I think that the way that it's set up is nice for somebody who's used to the Microsoft productivity applications. They can find their way around WPS office really nicely. And yes, call it shallow, call it whatever you want. I, I care about aesthetics to a, to a certain degree. I find a lot of functionality is buried in things like LibreOffice that is unnecessarily buried. Um, you could say the same about a lot of different apps, but it all depends on yeah. what you're looking for. So for me, it, WPS Office just is a better alternative for me. As far as web browsers, uh, I'm a Firefox, Vivaldi, and Opera guy. I don't use the, uh, one specific web browser. I use stuff based on the function and the need that I need to make at the time. If I'm using Chromium-based stuff, generically, I'm going to go with Vivaldi because it has a lot more power user stuff. Um, you can customize it a lot more as far as Chromium stuff. Firefox, like you, container tabs for the win. As far as Opera, Opera is a very specific use case for me for where I do a lot of the recording and stuff. So I have to use it, not so much I want to use it, but it's one that allows me to get around the DNS settings that they have locally where I record because it, that's just how they do. So basically what I have to do is I have to bounce off either Cloudflare or Google Google's public DNS and use the built-in, I'm going to call it a proxy because it's not really a VPN because it only works within Opera and use their built-in proxy VPN servers to at least have some type of privacy. <laughs> Not saying it's great because I do understand that there are a lot of concerns around as it relates to using Opera as a web browser and it's built-in proxy VPN stuff. I understand that. It solves a problem for me. That's the only reason I use it. That for me is probably the biggest stack of applications that I use. You know, we talked about OBS. As far as like applications I play with, like like you mentioned, just kind of like like I like to say, like you were trying out Caden Live because of all these stuff you were doing. Actually, the one application that I play with a lot that I don't talk about is I use Cinelira GG a lot, which is a video editor. I just like to try it out to see how far it's coming along. It's a love it or hated application based on the interface. It's got a very earlier GIMP mentality when it comes to the Windows structure and the Windows system. So you have four different panes that are separate windows which you're gonna like if you're doing multi-monitor it's a great system if you're doing single monitor it's a travesty of a system <laughs> so is this one that you are doing any editing on for production you're just or are you just playing with it every now and again to see what's changed i've done some production on it, it it's one of those it's a completely different workflow. So it'd be like you trying to use, as an example, like last week you were talking about uh, LightZone. It'd be like going from Darktable or Raw Therapy to LightZone and trying to completely flip on your head what how you understand like video editing and that kind of stuff. Or God, um, yeah, yeah. Not, not video editing, but photo editing. So it, it's one of those, I can probably make it work and make it make sense if I took a really deep dive into it. Not saying it's bad or good. I'm just simply saying that like, it requires a different mindset and I'm not sure if I'm really willing to put that mindset into it, but like for basic editing and stuff, I can use it perfectly fine. 
What I do like about it is for those that want 8K video editing on Linux, this is the only one that I know of that can actually do it. <laughs> oh, wow. They push a lot of the boundaries on stuff, it's like, like the 8K editing. Um, they are fairly frequent. I think it's monthly updates that they do for their... Uh, release cadence. So it's a nice little application to try out. I highly recommend multiple monitors as opposed to one. The night of the only nice thing is because I use Plasma, group similar <laughs> windows. <laughs> so you can, instead of having four separate windows, when you minimize it down, you have one. You have one icon instead of four. So you just hit the icon and <laughs> Spans back to all four windows. <laughs> really nice thing to have. So that solves Heck one. Yeah. That solves one of the things I, I I dislike about it. Like you, that that's my probably my two play with application as far as that. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden, the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital, sensitive information. It is not only open source, but has also had third-party auditing on the source code. This is why I've chosen Bitwarden for my password manager. It's easy to get started. Just go to bitwarden.com DLN. The big question is, why do I need a password manager? And that's a good one. Why do you? Well, I'll tell you. Using password123 on all your accounts is just not a good security practice. Also, having the same password for everything is a terrible idea. Remembering all the variations is nearly impossible unless you have some kind of a super memory. And a super memory is something I do not have. And storing passwords on sticky notes or in a spiral-bound notebook is not only inconvenient, it also is a bit lacking in security efficacy. Therefore, I have chosen Bitwarden. This is a password book that I can take with me anywhere. I can have it on different computers, different browsers, on my mobile not only is it a safe place for passwords, but also identity and financial account information as well. This feature got me out of a pretty serious jam recently when I had an issue with some safety controls on one of my accounts. I needed to use another card to pay for the rest of the service. Since I didn't take that card with me anywhere, I didn't have it on me, but I did store the information on Bitwarden. I remembered I did this, so I pulled up that account information, paid for the service, and ultimately prevented what could have been a serious life interruption. You can get started with Bitwarden by going to bitwarden.com DLN. It's free to use, but if you want to level up and go for the premium features for only $10 a year, not only will you support a great open source project, but also you will unlock premium password security and management features. Bitwarden has saved my bacon numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it out of my cold, dead device. We'd like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. And speaking of applications that we use, and I talked about using Steam, I have a game recommendation you can find on Steam. Shock and surprise. See the shock on oh. Wendy's face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. I would never guess that you would have a game for us to check out. I would totally never, ever, ever have a game for <laughs> us to check out. Except for this one time, right? Yeah, except for this one time <laughs> and the next time and the next time. Anyway... This game is Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Do you want to get your cyberpunk on? Well, Deus Ex is about the best way to do it right now. Open world, RPG, action game, action RPG. Pretty much do and play in an open sandbox. You want to play stealthy? Go ahead. You want to you know, shoot people in the face instead and run and gun and that kind of thing? Go right ahead. Possibilities are kind of endless with that. And I kind of like that. And it's cyberpunk so why wouldn't i like it it sounds like it's right up your alley especially with what you were talking about last week and your love of that style of game if somebody says cyberpunk i'm probably gonna look at it as far as the game <laughs> not gonna lie i'm a 
total sucker for cyberpunk games. So yeah, like you can usually get this game fairly. This is a AAA game as far as like quote unquote. Oh, there's no AAA games on Linux. This is a AAA produced game from Square Enix. Farrell did the port for it, so it's a really good game. Oh, nice. And the thing is, you can usually get this pretty cheap. I know last time I looked, they had it on sale for like five bucks. It's been cheaper than that, but you can get it pretty cheap. So I would definitely recommend it as a game to get. And unfortunately, because I've had hardware issues from this past week with software, I have no distro recommendations or weird ones to tape because I've been busy trying to fix my own. Just trying to get your computer to run so you can get work done. <laughs> yeah, I know. Novel idea. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> there was a very interesting post from a community member talking about camera hardware. So normally I stick to camera hardware on Hardware Addicts, but this is the perfect place to share some community stuff that's going on on the discourse forms. And he's specifically looking for the micro four-thirds camera style and pretty interested in the Panasonic line. And some of the reason why he's wanting to go with a smaller sensor is he spends time in other countries where sometimes, you know, it's not always safe to be carrying this great big bulky camera and everything he needs needs to be in his backpack. And as he puts it, it's like 30, 25 to 30 pounds is what his bag will normally weigh with all of his stuff that he has to have with him all the time. So the smaller sensor camera means that in general, you have a smaller camera to pack around with you. The lenses are going to be smaller in general, that kind of thing. And you know, what, what am I thinking as far as what are the better ones to go with? Um, and that he's he's not afraid of the APS-C, which is the size that is just smaller than your full-frame camera, but he's saying that they're, they're really expensive. And so th- this is one of those things that I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at micro four-thirds camera lenses or camera bodies themselves, because it's not something that I'm I'm typically interested in. So after this thread that got started in discourse, I started looking into some of the micro four-thirds. One of the biggest makers of these cameras has been Olympus. And if you've listened to Hardware Addicts, you know that Olympus is selling its camera portion of the business off and Olympus itself will no longer be making them. Now, who they're selling them to says that they are going to continue making cameras, continue to innovate on cameras that what Olympus has set to put out this year, they are going to go ahead and continue putting out that the products they have are going to continue being supported. So while I know we're kind of in a gray zone with Olympus as what is actually going to happen, Olympus and Panasonic are really the two companies that I see making this style of camera. And then looking at prices, especially the camera bodies, I'm not seeing these really any cheaper than you can get the Sony APS-C sensors in their mirrorless cameras. So baseline for a lot of the Sonys, you're running around $500, especially in the used department. And I'm seeing that where these micro four thirds are starting their new in that kind of lineup. One of the best things about the Sony line is they've built a really 
nice used market. And I know that's one of the things that I, I want to say her Buntu is the name of this, the handle that this user is using on, on Discourse. And then they said that, you know, that, that a used market's good. And I say, if you can get a used camera, that's one of the best places to get started because you're not spending that extra money. It, it's almost like an, a new car where the second you buy it, you have some of the value that's immediately lost because it's no longer new. So you don't have that immediate like down in price or value of the product because it's now used. They're a great way to buy lenses and that kind of thing as you're starting out building your stuff, especially where you're doing this not to make money. It's it's for your enjoyment. Buying used is is not a problem. And in both Panasonic and Olympus, the market for used just isn't out there as big. And that's because they have not been as widely adopted as your Canons, Nikons, and Sonys at this point. Those, those are kind of the big three in this realm. So I want to do some more looking on this topic, but just from the basics that I've been looking at, I think it's going to be hard to find a micro four thirds in a really good budget range where you can get this stuff easily used. There are some very specific size needs so that traveling with this camera and getting the shots that they want need to work together. We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to our different social channels, shows, and creators at destinationlinux.network. For more information, you can find me on Instagram at Linux and Lifts, or you can find Cubicle Nate at cubiclenate.com with links to his regular blatherings, podcasts, and YouTube channels. You can follow my random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. As always, we thank you for joining us and we will be back next week with another fantastic episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a fantastic week, everyone. 